0: I invite you now to join me in a moment of silent prayer that I would deliver God's Word today, uh, that we would all hear it and allow uh, God's story to become part of our story. Let's pray together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Imagine one day uh, you're coming home. It's not just any day. It's a big special day. It's your birthday. Uh, You're driving home. You're not sure what to expect. Uh, You've been at work or or somewhere out in the community, and you come home, uh, and there are lots of cars, lots of cars uh, down down your street, but also some of the side streets. So it looks like there's some big something going on you come into your house, and it's a big surprise party, and there's tons of people that you know and love there. Family members are there. Your friends are there. Uh, neighbors are there. Your church family's there. Just all the people in the world that you love have come to spend this awesome day with you. and. It's just awesome, and so you're having fun, hugging people, and laughing, and crying, and high-fiving and the whole deal, and just really trying to soak it in because relationships are what it's all about, and and this is celebrating your relationships with those people in your life that are so important, and they bring out a big cake and light the candles, and you, you know you're 29 again or whatever, but it's 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 a good good birthday. Uh, make the wish, blow out the candles, and and share the cake, and. Uh, then somebody opens up one of the adjoining rooms and you look in there and there's there's presence, right like, tons of presents stacked from the floor to the ceiling. All these people have brought these presents to the birthday party. And, and you're like, wow, this is just amazing. It was enough for me just to have time with the friends and family. But wow, check that out. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. And so uh, folks start going and they get their presents and they get them out of the room and everybody's holding the present that they bought and they're sitting around the room and you're just looking on with the, you know, excited uh, anticipation. And, and then everybody kind of counts one, two, three and And instead of giving you the gifts, they start opening their own presents. And you're starting to wonder, well, is this kind of of a joke or what's going on? But no, they're serious and and they brought presents for themselves and they've been really good to themselves. This is a good year for them. And so some of them are pulling out, you know, video game systems or Kindles or tablets, and some of them are pulling out clothes, and some of them went to Diamonds Direct. And you notice that some of the cars out on the, on the road have big bows on them, and some people are pulling out keys saying, happy birthday to me, and it's a great, great day. And so You know, probably it's it's fine because you've had time with your family and friends, and that's enough, certainly. But there's a little part of you that's a little resentful. This is my birthday. Why are everyone else getting the gifts? And that's probably never going to happen to you. And if if it did happen to you, you'd be a great sport about it. I'm I'm sure of that. Um, I'm sure of that. But... uh, You know, that's not really going to happen. But it does happen once a year in America. We do that, and we call that Christmas. Because, you know, unless your birthday really is December 25th, Christmas is not our birthday. It's Jesus' birthday, right? Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the the hope of the world. It's Jesus' birthday. You know, so a good question is, why do we get all the presents? right? Jesus' birthday, why do we get all the presents? I'm not knocking it. I think it's okay to give gifts to people that we love and care about. And I'm not saying don't do that, but I would like us to wrestle with that question. And if you're, if you're been with us for a while, that's something we wrestle with every year. If you're new, maybe I invite you to begin to wrestle with it. Why at Christmas do we get all the gifts when it's not our birthday? It's the birthday of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the Savior of the world, the, the hope of the world. And so, I want us to think a little bit about why that is today. And I just want to talk about the importance of Jesus today and His birthday. We're going to celebrate that, uh, you know, pretty hardcore uh, on the 24th, which is a few weeks away. Uh, But I want to jump in today uh, into the Scripture and just look at some of um, the early days of of just after Jesus was born. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bibles, it's in the New Testament. It's the third book uh, of the Bible, Matthew Mark, Luke, third book in the New Testament. Luke uh, is a gospel. It means the good news of Jesus. And Luke covers the birth of Jesus to his death and his resurrection. Uh, There are only two birth stories in the Bible. One's in Matthew, one is in Luke's gospel. And so uh, Luke was an early disciple and uh, he wrote about Jesus uh, and what happened in Jesus' life. And so we're going to be in Luke 2 today. It's right after Jesus has been born. Uh, And his parents, Joseph and Mary, are taking him to dedicate him to God, which was a custom for the Jewish people in the first century. And so they travel to Jerusalem, which is the capital of Israel. Uh, They go to the temple there, which would be like a national cathedral for us today. That's where the whole nation came to worship. Uh, And so they're going to dedicate Jesus to God. And so uh, let's see uh, what that looks like. We'll start with Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 38. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now we have to understand that in the first century in Israel that Simeon is an old man. He's lived a long life. And for his entire life Israel has been ruled by a foreign government. In fact, for most of the last 1,000 years of Israel's history leading into the first century, Israel has been ruled by a foreign government. And so the people of Israel are hungry for their own rule, to rule themselves. And so they look back to 1,000 years prior to King David when he was a great king of Israel, a military leader, a political leader, and he ruled the country and Israel ruled itself. And so in the Old Testament, which was the people in the first century's only Bible... It has prophecies, and they talk about the coming of the Messiah to come and lead the people of Israel to save them and and lead them back into prominence again. And so Simeon has been waiting to see the Messiah, right? And and so he's going to have this rare opportunity to meet the Messiah himself. But turns out the Messiah is going to be a little bit different than what the people of Israel had expected. So moved by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Can you Imagine holding the Son of God in your arms, the Messiah, right? The promised leader of the nation. how powerful that was. And Simeon says, This Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, right? I'm, I'm ready to die. I, I, I have seen what I need to see, God, right? You kept your promise. The Messiah is here, and I'm holding him in my arms. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now now here we see in these verses that Simeon has this knowledge that can only come from God and from the Holy Spirit. Because Simeon says it's not just for the people of Israel, it's not just for Israel to to be a, a mighty nation, but that this Messiah is for all nations of the world. And it's not just for the Jewish people who live in Israel in the first century, but it's for everyone, for the Gentiles who are not Jewish. And so Simeon has this word from God that this Jesus is going to be a different kind of Messiah than what people thought. Probably not going to be a military leader. Probably not going to be a political leader. He's not just for the people of Israel. He came to save everyone, the entire world. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about their son. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. This is the hard part. Simeon has knowledge that what Jesus is going to do is going to be hard. It's going to be hard for Israel. It's going to be hard for Jesus. It's going to be hard even for Jesus' parents. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child. To all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So Simeon and Anna, these fixtures in the religious temple of Jerusalem, right, waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled, have now seen that. They've met the Messiah, they've held the baby Jesus, right? They, They have seen what God has promised all these thousands of years. And so what really happens in their very presence, they have seen the hope of the world. And the, and the world in the first century needed a lot of hope. There was a lot of violence, and there was a lot of people who were hurting and starving. There were a lot of broken relationships. There were a lot of false promises. There, there, there were a lot of people who were bankrupt and, and losing their homes. There, there was a lot of stuff going on in the first century, and they needed the hope, and that hope was Jesus. Well guess what, brothers and sisters, we're in the 21st century and, and we still need that same hope, don't we? Right? I don't, I don't have to tell you, you all you have to do is just go and look at the news or whether you watch it on television or see it on the internet or read the newspapers, right? There's a lot of good in the world, but there are also a lot of challenges. And in our world, you know, 21 centuries later, 20 centuries later, we need hope just as much as the first century needed hope. And so Jesus, the hope of the world in the first century, is still our best and greatest hope in our century, because God sent Jesus into the world, not just for the Jewish community, not just for the first century, not just for the people of Israel, but for all of us, all of us who have ever lived and who will live moving forward. God sent Jesus into the world to say, hey, I love you. I've created you in my image. I have great plans for your life. I want you to live life to the full as long as you have breath in your bodies. I want to forgive you. And if you're struggling with something, I'm ready to, to take away your guilt and your, and your shame. And I want to give you joy and peace. And I want to equip you to do something that's going to change your community and change your world. I want you to live with me forever in the kingdom of heaven. And, and so I want you to have life to the full now and forever. Right? Jesus came to give us hope. He came to give us meaning. He came to give us comfort and forgiveness and a reason to live and a reason to to look forward to what's coming tomorrow and the next day and the day after that, right? Jesus is the hope of the world. So a question might be, well, how do we see that, Jesus? Where do we see Jesus? Because, right, He's not a baby anymore and And we're not Simeon and and we're not Anna. We didn't get to hold him and touch him and physically see Jesus. So, you know, when the world is looking for hope, which it is, where does the world look to find the hope of the world, the best hope of the world, and that that hope is Jesus? What does that look like? Well, Pastor Bill Hybels, he's a pastor in Willow Creek Church uh, up in Illinois. He says that he thinks this. He says his opinion is that the local church, churches like ours, right? Churches like ours around our city and state and nation and world. He says, Bill Hybels believes that the local church is the hope of the world. And he believes the local church is the hope of the world because theologically and biblically, the way that we understand why the church exists is that the local church is the body of Christ in the world until Jesus comes back in all of His glory at the end of time. And so those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, that, that we love Jesus and, and we've given our lives to Jesus, that we're supposed to be the example to the world so that when the world is looking for God, the world is looking for hope, that the Holy Spirit, that part of God that's with us, shines through us, through our words and our actions so that people see God through what we do. So Bill Hybels believes with the power of the Holy Spirit that we're the hope of the world. That we're the best hope for many people who are living in our community, in our families, in our friends, and all the way around the world because we are the body of Christ in the world. So how are we doing? I think sometimes the church does well and we 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 are the hope and and we do what god calls us to do and and we knock it out of the park and sometimes the the local church and our church and the church in general sometimes we get off track and and we can appear to be hypocritical and 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 we create skeptics in the world that there is no god there's no jesus and and the church sure doesn't act like a godly institution in the world for the first time in american history when you ask people and poll people what's your religious affiliation the, the number 1 answer is none. I don't want to be affiliated with religion, right? And so many people in our country, you know, we can call them, you know, nuns or duns, no religious tradition, or I'm done with religion. I'm done with church because I'm tired of the hypocrisy and and all the stuff that we see in the church. And so we've got a mixed track record, right? And so here's what I would propose, that we as a local church in the South Park community of South Charlotte, Right, reaching out to whoever's watching that, that we, this year, right, right, that we have the opportunity, be someone's hope this Christmas. that we as individuals, we as families, we as small groups, we as a congregation, that we be someone's hope this Christmas, a specific and a tangible way to where we make someone's life better this Christmas season. I think that would be the best birthday present we could give to Jesus. And that sounds great and it sounds lofty, but what does it really look like? I I would ask you to pray about and to, to think about doing two specific things. The first would be simply to invite people to what we're doing this December as a congregation our staff and our lay leaders are working very hard to create opportunities to share God's love with our community. And what we would just ask you to do is to identify people in your life, friends, family, colleagues, neighbors, somebody that would benefit from some of what we're doing, pray about them having an open heart, and then make the invitation. And we're trying to do our very best in all of these programs so that when they come, they will meet someone, a group of people who care about them and try to share the love of God with them. Right. There's a lot going on. Kevin shared a lot of cool things this afternoon. We're having a worship service at four o'clock for people who are having a hard time in the holidays. Right. They see everybody else who's happy. We're not feeling happy ourselves. There's a lot of stuff going on in our lives. We don't want to be a part of that happy stuff. So this is a a service to help people wrestle with some of the the stuff that's going on, the junk in our lives. What does God have for us? right? Next weekend we're excited to have our Emmanuel Christmas Festival. It's going to be great song and music. It's you know to the arts to the to the to the best that we can do it, and it's gonna be with a message about Jesus. And we're gonna partner with Sharon Presbyterian Church. It's gonna be amazing. Our Adults Plus is gonna be having their Christmas program next week. And in two weeks from now, we're gonna have on Saturday, we're gonna go to the mall and we're gonna we're gonna go ice skating together as a congregation, and our handbells are gonna be playing handbells inside the mall, the South Park Mall. It's gonna be cool. And then that's Saturday. Then on Sunday, after worship, we're going we're gonna to do our Joy to South Park ministry where we go out and, and we're going to take 95 different businesses gifts to say, we love you. God loves you. We're glad that you're in the community, right? We, I want you to come back and see, and see what we're doing. And, and then uh, the biggest thing that we can get ready for is Christmas Eve, right? We're going to have our, our Christmas Eve's on a Sunday this year. And so our worship services uh, on Sunday morning are going to be geared towards introducing people to the love of Jesus. If there's somebody in your life who needs Jesus, who's far from Jesus or skeptical about Jesus, this is the time to invite them, right? And it's the time to pray for them and say, hey, I just want you to come and check out what's going on in my church. Hey, it's Christmas, right? People who are far from God, they usually give church a chance twice a year, Christmas and Easter. This is one of those big ones. It's kind of like our Super Bowl. Say, hey, I'd love to have you come to worship. I'll, I'll save you a seat or I'll pick you up. Let's go have coffee together before or after, right? I just, I really think it's important and right we could be someone's best hope to enter into a relationship with Jesus for the very first time and change their life now and forever. And then all we have to do, we pray about it, we turn it over to God, we invite them, right? And we give them our best foot forward when they come to what we're doing this month, right? We're really intentional. So be someone's hope this Christmas, invite them to some of the cool things that we're doing. The second thing that I invite you to think and pray about uh, is giving Jesus uh, a monetary birthday gift. Well, why does Jesus want a monetary gift? He got gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What else does he need, right? And so, uh, how do you give Jesus a, a birthday present, right? What we do every year is we take up a Christmas Eve offering, uh, and we we split the offering in half, and we give it to two uh, awful, awfully good uh, Christian ministries uh, who are doing awesome things, and we give a hundred percent of it away, right? So we benefit from it, in, in in zero way, right? We give it all away, and what we ask people to do is, is to give to that, and that would be our monetary gift to Jesus, and say, happy birthday, right? So, and I would, you know, challenge you to think about the person you're going to spend the most money on for Christmas, right? If you're married, it better be your spouse, right? I'm guessing that that would be the place to start. If it's your significant other, if it's your child, your grandchild, your grandma, your best friend, you know, whoever it is that you're going to spend the most money on, take that amount and then give the same amount or more to Jesus to the Christmas Eve offering because right, Jesus is his birthday. He should be the number one part of our life, right? And so we want to honor Jesus with our, our most best gift. And again, I don't benefit from that. The church doesn't benefit from it. We give that money away, right? Today we received that the award, right, for feeding a hundred thousand people across four different countries around the world so they could be educated and break the cycle of poverty. That was from last year's Christmas Eve offering. And half of our Christmas Eve offering fed 100,000 people. Brothers and sisters, that's just awesome. And we get a chance to do that again this year. So let me, I'm just excited. I just couldn't wait to today to tell you who we're going to support this year with our Christmas Eve offer. We're going to split it in half again. Uh, we're going to give half the money to New Story Church. We've got a picture of, of some of their members. This is a Methodist congregation. It's a relatively new church, just started a few years ago in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, and, and they are reaching people who are living in poverty, who are battling addictions to drug and alcohol, who have children in at-risk situations. God has blessed them so incredibly, they've already grown to three campuses across Winston-Salem, and they've done that. They, They don't have any money the people they're reaching don't have very much money and so they're relying upon folks like us. And so we went and did two meal packing events that we celebrated today at New Story Church with them and they loved it and it's awesome. And Pastor Scott's gonna be with us uh, in December and he's gonna come and talk about how God's been blessing the ministry there and how we've been a part of that. And so we get a chance to really invest in this startup church that God's using to revolutionize the city of Winston-Salem and reaching people for Jesus. And, And we get to help be a part. In that. The other half of the Christmas Eve offering this year, we're going to give uh, to two groups together uh, that are providing clean water uh, for people who are living in Haiti. Uh, we're going to partner with Rotary International. There's a local branch here that we're going to partner with and also with a Christian nonprofit called uh, Water Mission. And what they do is they go around the world and they help provide clean water for people who don't have it. In doing the research for this, I discovered that every day, 2,300 people die because they don't have access to clean water. 2,300 people will die today because they don't have access to clean water. They don't have it to drink, they don't have it to have clean sanitation to go to the bathroom, and they don't have it to wash their hands. And so, those three reasons. 2,300 people will die today because they don't have access to clean water, but it's even worse than that. 2,300 people will die today from diarrhea, right? And, and I'm not trying to be funny here, but could you think of a worse way to die than through diarrhea? I mean, I, I mean it, it's horrible. It, it's absolutely, it's absolute, please forgive me for even being somewhat close to vulgar. Imagine today, you're going to the bathroom, that's where you're going to die. Uh, except not on, in a nice bathroom, but on, on some riverbank somewhere, or, or your child is going to die today from diarrhea, or your grandchild is going to die because they don't have access to clean water. Right? So this nonprofit that we're partnering with right, have saved 3 million people's lives around the world because they give them clean water. Now here's the beautiful part, because we're going to partner with this local rotary group Every dollar that we give, they're going to match it with $2.50 of their money. Our dollar becomes $3.50 Okay, in Haiti. And so in talking with the folks from that organization, uh, they believe that if we have an average gift of what we've received for Christmas Eve over the last five years here in our congregation, that we'll be able to provide clean water for up to possibly three entire communities in Haiti. Can you imagine that? Somewhere between two to three communities, entire communities of people, we can save their lives. We've got some pictures of some of these children that, that lives have been saved, right? Simply by giving Jesus a monetary gift, right? As we open our gifts on Christmas Day, we can be happy in doing that and that's awesome, but we can also think, wow, Right, I probably helped save thousands of lives because of this offering that I've given to Jesus. Right, and and it's with other Christians. It's with people from Charlotte, and we're going to partner. In fact, if we want to, we can go down to Haiti when they're doing all this stuff, and we can be there when it happens. All right, so this be someone's hope this Christmas, right? Because the world needs hope. Right, the world needs Jesus like never before. Right, so pray and invite people to what we're doing. And pray and think about how much money we can give to help provide clean water. And and here's here's the humbling thing. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we might be someone's only hope. We might be someone's best hope. right? That they go to a church that welcomes addicts and they find a ministry there where they, they can quit the heroin, they can quit the alcohol, they can quit the cocaine. Or maybe they uh, live in Charlotte uh, and they're our brothers and our sisters or or our neighbors and our friends and and they come to one of our Christmas things here in December and they surrender their life to Jesus and it changes their internal destination forever. Or maybe we're the best hope for for someone who's living in Haiti whose child or grandchild might die because they don't have access to clean water. Brothers and sisters, the good news is we have a chance to make a difference in the world. We have a chance to be the church as we've been created to be, to be the body of Christ in the world, to to make a difference. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, this Christmas, be someone's hope. We might be their only hope. We might be their best hope because we stand with Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.